0: Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody. This is CJ Wolf, Health City's Senior Compliance Executive, and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Compliance Conversations. And Today, I'm really excited. We have a wonderful guest, Scott Robinson, who is the Director of Compliance for Davis Vision and Superior Vision, and he also has an interesting background that we're going to pick his brain about a little bit. Welcome, Scott.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, and Scott's joining us from the Baltimore area, I believe. Uh, what's the weather like there, Scott?
1: Right now, the weather's not too terribly bad. Um, we're expecting some thunderstorms later, maybe severe, but uh, pretty nice otherwise.
0: Good, and I'm, I'm here in Salt Lake City, so we're using technology to our advantage. And and those of you who are going to be listening to the recording, who knows? You might be in, in traffic in L.A. or or something. That's the whole point of the podcast is to... Uh, let you kind of chew on some compliance fat, so to speak, whenever you have a free moment. Um, And uh, we're going to jump right into this. Scott's going to tell us a little bit of, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, health plans, Medicare Advantage compliance reviews, and Scott has some great experience there. But before we jump into some of these uh, questions that I have for Scott, I just wanted to give him an opportunity just to tell us a little bit about his compliance experience, what he's doing now, what he did previously, uh, and whatever he's comfortable sharing. So Scott, if you if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, I think our listeners would enjoy that.
1: Sure, no problem. So uh, currently, as you said, I am the Director of Compliance for Davis Vision and Superior Vision. Um, prior to this, I worked for six years uh, for a Medicare contractor. So Mainly, um, my company would go out with the CMS folks and do the compliance program effectiveness audit. So we did the whole gamut: we did uh, compliance program effectiveness, we did ODAG audits, CDAG audits, uh, formulary administration, and the mock audits. And uh, my area of expertise was the compliance program effectiveness. I would actually um, go out with some colleagues and. With some of the folks from CMS, and we would audit the compliance program. We would look at, at the seven elements, make sure that there were policies and procedures in place, that they um, documented their training and education, that they were reporting issues to the CEO and the board, you know, everything that you could think of um, dealing with the compliance program effectiveness. And uh, We also would sit there with the plans, and we would do the tracer samples, so that would give us a better idea of if the compliance program was working the way that it was designed to work. Yeah. So it was really everything from suit to nuts, and it was great because we had a chance to actually sit face-to-face with the Medicare compliance officer and the staff and see what they were doing.
0: That's neat. You know, a lot of us in, as compliance officers and compliance professionals, we try to do this ourselves, right? We try to self-assess and kind of look at the effectiveness of our programs on a year-to-year basis. We try to do that internally. You're really going to lend a really neat perspective, I think, in our conversation today because you were doing this on behalf of, of uh, CMS as a contractor. And, um, and Scott also has... Uh, if. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a certified fraud examiner, you're also certified in healthcare compliance, and you're a CPA. Yep, that's true for all three of those. That's great. Well, good. Well, Scott, if you don't mind, let's jump in. I wanted to ask you first, uh, so of our, for our listeners out there that, that might be involved in Medicare Advantage, so let's say you are a Medicare Advantage organization and you received that initial notification from CMS that you've been selected for a program audit. So what should that person, you know, let's say they're the head of the compliance program or or something else, what should they do or what should they not do?
1: Well, I would say that the the first thing to not do is panic. I know that, um, you know, you get these notices and suddenly you realize that your life is going to drastically change over the next couple of months. Right. But uh, if your organization has been doing all the right things all along, um, so, you know, you have a sound compliance program. You're following all of the CDAG and ODAG guidelines. Um, All you really need to do is explain yourself. Um, You you just need to articulate your usual business practices in a way that CMS will understand and agree with. Right. Um, So I always ask the question, like, does this mean that you're going to have a deficiency-free audit? And the answer is probably not, because there are always little things that pop up that, that you don't expect as a Medicare Advantage organization. Right. Um, you think that you're doing everything the right way, um, but then you start digging around and then you find out that there was something that you probably could have done better. Um, but that's really why, um, you know, CMS is there to audit. Um, you might realize that your um, letters that you send to your beneficiaries are not as understandable as they could have been. So CMS will actually tell you that. Sure. Um, it's okay. They don't expect you to be perfect. But they just give you little hints about what you can do differently to be more compliant with the Medicare regulations.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think we joke sometimes, um, you know, someone says, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> so you, I think it's good advice to say not to panic. I think it would be hard um, for some folks. I think some of us in compliance profession, our personalities are such that we're kind of worry warts to begin with, right? And and we Some of us, at least. And that brings some of that stress with it. And that's actually what makes you a good compliance officer sometimes is when you worry about stuff. But I think it's good advice, like you say, not to not to panic, at least. Um, Now, Scott, um, a lot of our listeners will be familiar with the Medicare Advantage uh, organizations and those sorts of things. Some of our listeners might not be. Can you you mentioned a couple things, CDAG and ODAG. Can you just tell us briefly what those stand for and what that is?
1: Yes. Um, CDAG is Coverage Determinations, Appeals, and Grievances. Those are typically what CMS looks for with your Medicare Part D plans. Um, Odag is Organizational Determinations, Appeals, and Grievances. Uh, Those are geared more towards your Medicare Advantage organization. So it's not necessarily drug-related. It's more related to, um, it could be claims. It could be anything that has to do with the medical side.
0: Okay. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to bring you back to something you kind of said at the end. You said, you know, CMS does not expect perfection. You know, I tell a lot of compliance folks that when I'm trying to help them set up compliance programs. Um, You know, OIG and enforcement bodies don't expect perfection. If that's true, though, and CMS does not expect perfection, uh, what do they expect, in your opinion and in your experience?
1: My experience has always been that CMS doesn't really expect perfection as much as they expect to protect the beneficiaries. Um, And one of the things, um, so I did this for six years, and in 2013, I was part of a team that uh, got to go out to Philadelphia with uh, Dr. Cynthia Tudor. I don't know if, if many people are familiar with her name, but she was um, really one of the the main people that was working for CMS at the time. Um, I was really quite nervous about working with her because um, she had a reputation for being kind of like a a force to reckon with. The reputation really did precede her. Um, So even though I was part of the audit team and I wasn't necessarily being audited, I was um, still a little intimidated by all that. Right. So I had a chance to, to actually talk to her one night um, and ask her that question, you know, what is really CMS, um, you know, what do they expect in these audits? And she said, um, you know, these audits are really all about beneficiary protection. Um, And that's really kind of what I got from talking to her and some other people at CMS. They're very strong beneficiary advocates Um, Dr. Kelman, a lot of people may recognize Dr. Kelman's name because he would preside over many of the clinical decision-making webinars. Okay. Um, He is also a very strong beneficiary advocate. So what they're really looking for is if a Medicare beneficiary is experiencing some kind of an adverse health condition, um, what they want to know is that the Medicare Advantage organization's are doing something to address that health issue to mitigate the adverse threats. Okay, um, You know, there are regulations that have to be followed, and we all know that because we're all part of a healthcare care plan. Um, and there may be instances where the regulations were not followed because it was either the result of a human error or failure to realize that something should have been done first. But the key that CMS is always looking for is to make sure that you're taking care of the beneficiary both in terms of their health and their finances. And if you can do that, then you're going to be in really good shape for CMS.
0: Yeah, you know, and that probably is a good way to kind of look at your day-to-day um, work, right? We can all get bogged down or or get stressed out with all these regulations. But if your over, overall principle or mission is beneficiary... Um, protection, right? And beneficiary ben, you know, benefits for, you know, and making sure that they're getting the right service. If that's your overall mission, then sometimes I would think that would calm your mind a little bit. Think, okay, wait, what's best for this beneficiary?
1: Yeah, that is exactly what it's all about. And I could tell you just from my experience that if you keep in mind what is best for the beneficiary, you're going to be just fine with CMS.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you you know, earlier you also mentioned, you know, not to panic, and I kind of joked a little bit that some of us uh, in compliance are drawn to that field because we do, we're very conscientious. Um, what what advice would you have for individuals who, you know, in spite of their best efforts, still, they just cannot shake the nerves. It's just still so nerve-wracking to see, you know, a contractor or somebody from CMS across the table.
1: It definitely is nerve-wracking. Um, And I think that what they need to understand is that um, it kind of works both ways. Um, I had the opportunity to do about 50 compliance audits um, during those six years. And really the reactions that I received when I came on site really ran the gamut. Individuals accepting the fact that um, this was a CMS audit um, and telling us what they knew And then we had other individuals who were just so freaked out that they got very emotional. Yeah. Um, And when I say emotional, I mean, I'm talking about like flat out crying because they just didn't know what to expect. Oh, wow. Um, And I really, I felt bad for them because um, every single person that I worked with in my capacity as the auditor, we all understood how nerve wracking it could really be to sit across the table from a government auditor Um, I knew that I did because I had been on their side before, so I knew that to have to sit there and and tell an auditor stuff, it could be very disconcerting.
0: Sure. Um,
1: but the way that I always kind of approached it was, um, CMS, you mentioned this earlier when you were um, talking about something else, we've always kind of reviewed a compliance program effectiveness audit as a collaborative partnership.
0: Okay. Um.
1: Nobody from CMS or the contractors had ever gone into a program audit with a gotcha type of attitude. So we didn't go in there um, looking to say, oh, you know, we knew we were going to find this and we gotcha. It was more of just kind of looking um, for opportunities to hear from the Medicare Advantage organizations um, about the way things are and kind of how they should be. Okay. So... If an organization really did something that was wrong, then we always approached it as an opportunity to give them rationale behind why we were telling them it was wrong and giving them suggestions for how to go ahead and correct that. Okay. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, um, for a lot of them is at the end of the audit, we know that we're going to be giving out an audit report. So CMS um, has gone to great lengths over the last couple of years to make sure that they have a draft report in the Medicare Advantage organization's hands before we actually left the organization. Okay. Um, so we had a lot of work to do as well as all the work that they were doing, and in my opinion, CMS would have much preferred to write a clean auto report that didn't have any corrective actions to it than to have to sit there and write out a long report full of deficiencies. So exactly. It was kind of a two-way thing. you know. They didn't want the deficiencies, and we would have much rather gone in with the attitude of, you're doing a great job, and we don't have any deficiencies to give to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everyone would be uh, happier if there weren't those things identified, I think. Um, maybe if I could just ask kind of a logistics question because I'm curious how many people are on a team when you're going and I'm assuming you're on site with them and how long are you there?
1: Uh, We usually get in there Monday morning Um, depending on how long the tracers took um, we could be there for four full days Mm -hmm. um, Monday through Thursday and then on Friday um, the entire audit team, including the folks from ODAG and CDAG and formerly would get on a conference call and do the exit conference. Okay. And that was when we would actually give them the um, draft report.
0: Gotcha. And how many... Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, you you can imagine that, um, you know, going back to what I was saying before, if we're doing these audits Monday through Thursday and then we've got to get a draft report into their hand on Friday morning we're doing a lot of work on Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening to make sure we're ready for that.
0: Exactly. And how many people are on a typical uh, assignment like this? I mean, is it a team of three or four or is there more or less?
1: Um, typically when I went out, we had um, the CMS um, audit lead and the CMS compliance team lead, and then probably four other team members. Okay. Um I- Occasionally, it would be a little bit less than that if um, there were multiple audits going on at one time, but typically you'd have about six people sitting there in front of the uh, Medicare Advantage organizations.
0: Gotcha, okay, cool. Um, so let me kind of come back to um, this report that is you know offered at the end. You know, in spite of everything that you've said so far, um you know, how do you allay the fears of the organizations who understand? you know, that once the audit is done, they're still likely to receive an audit report that could lead to some sort of sanction or or some sort of discipline. Uh, You know, how do you help those fears?
1: Um, Well, that's a good question. I know that, um, you know, people who are listening to this are, are thinking that it's probably easy for me to sit there and say, you know, CMS would prefer to write a clean audit report, but the reality is... Once the audit's over, you know, we're still going to have to get a report with, you know, these I-CARS, the uh, immediate corrective actions, or the CARs, which are the corrective actions. And it's also going to reflect negatively on them and the industry because these reports are are made public at some point. Um, CMS does post all that information out on their website, and nobody really wants to be caught out in front of their peers for not doing a good job. Right. Um, I kind of look at it as, like, taking a calculus class in college where the professor posts the student's grades in in public. Nobody wants to see that you didn't do very well. Right. Um, (laughs) So, you know, a lot of times when an organization finds out um, from the reports that things really look bad at at first glance, um, you have to peel away the layers of the uh, proverbial onion, as I call it. Right. And you realize that a little tweak here, a little tweak there will will take care of the condition. Um, You're going to go through a validation audit at some point, and that will give you a chance to demonstrate to CMS that the issues have been corrected. And CMS also works on like a a three- to four-year cycle of audits. So if you were audited in, say, 2015, Chances are, you know, 2018, 2019, CMS is going to come back around again. Okay. Um, And that'll give you a chance just to prove how much better you are than, um, you know, you were the last time out, and and that's what everybody really wants
0: to see. Yeah, improvement.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, if you keep that in mind, I always like to tell people um, when I went out and did these audits that... Yes, this auto report is going to look bad for you, for lack of a better order because you don't want to see corrective actions there. Right. But you also have to realize you're really, really close. If you just document your training and education program, or if you get these policies in place, the next time we come back around, you're going to be in great shape.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as somebody, you know, I've worked in compliance for a long time, but not necessarily uh, in the in the Medicare Advantage space. um, And I know a lot of our listeners might not have as much experience there as well. Is every Medicare Advantage organization audited on this, you know, three or four year cycle or is it possible to go five years without ever being audited?
1: It really kind of depends on what your circumstances are. Okay. Um, You know, there are some plans that don't get audited, um, within that three or four-year cycle for whatever circumstance it might be. Okay. Um, I, I'm not really privy to exactly what that is, but um, most of the plans that I have audited in the past have now gone through two cycles, and I know that a lot of them sit there and, and they'll tell me when I come in, we've been waiting for this notice, so we knew we were going to get audited.
0: Right, right. Um and as you were saying, these reports are posted. Do you think there's much learning? So let's say I was audited um, you know, two or three years ago, and I anticipate I'll be audited again. Is Is there much value in me looking at kind of peer organization reports that just took place over the last few months and see what kinds of things auditors are looking for? Or is there not much value there, do you think?
1: Oh, I think there's tremendous value. And um, the other thing um, that I guess the listeners should be aware of if they have not seen this yet, CMS just posted on May 8th on uh, their HPMS site the um, audit report for last year. So this was a compilation of all the audits that they did in 2017.
0: Okay. And
1: there's a lot of really good information in that report. It it gives out the audit scores for everybody. Um, It also breaks down the top five most common conditions in each of the audited areas. Wow. So, you know, if your uh, Medicare Advantage plan with drug benefits, uh, what they call an MAPD plan,
0: okay, you
1: can go out there, you can see the top five conditions in formulary administration, the top five in CDAG, the top five in ODAG, and the top five in compliance program effectiveness. Yeah. Um. So... You definitely know um, from looking at that report what CMS is going to be focusing on.
0: That's great. You know, it amazed me that you have, you know, you've done this about 50 times. um, And where I think there's some tremendous perspective that you have, you know, because I, when I was working full time as a compliance officer, I would only do my own reviews. And occasionally I might be involved in a peer that asked me to be on a, committee to do a review of theirs. So I might have seen one or two other compliance programs in depth in a year. Um, you're, whereas you were seeing across the country, um, you know, different compliance programs. So you got, you had an advantage to see, look, look at all of these different compliance programs. I can see really what, I can compare all 50 of these in my own head and see what's strong and what's weak. Do, are, are there any, maybe one or two key points as we wrap up, as we run out of time here, that um, you would say is a good practice or something that you really saw that you'd recommend people do? Uh,
1: well, there there really are two things that, that I would say. Um, the first thing is, um, just from my perspective, and this is personal, this isn't anything that CMS might advocate, but um, I always thought that the, the best types of compliance programs were those compliance programs that partnered with the business owners. Ah,
0: okay. Um,
1: And I saw some really good programs that did that very thing. Um, The second thing is, I know that everybody gets caught up in their their day-to-day operations, right? Especially in compliance, you know, you're always looking at how you can improve your compliance program. I think you have to stop at some point and do a mock audit um, of all the different areas that CMS might do um, to see where your deficiencies are and where you can improve because, um, as I said, you know that on a three- to four-year cycle, you're going to be re-audited again. Right. So make sure that you're making that incremental um, progress and make sure that you know that your ducks are lined up so the next time CMS comes in... You're prepared for everything
0: that is great, great advice, Scott. Um, we really appreciate your time and your expertise is invaluable. your experience um, I really think this is uh, one of the best podcasts we've had. I really appreciate your um, willingness to share um, and I'd like to thank you. any last minute or last parting comments
1: um, well, for I, I do want to make a comment to whoever might be listening who have met me before through the audits. Uh, you probably won't forget me because I was told by one compliance officer that I asked way too many questions. Um, But what I will say is, um, you know, I I had, um, it was a great honor for me to meet the different compliance officers that I got a chance to meet. And I hope that um, all the feedback that I've given you both today and during the audits has been very helpful and it's helped you with uh, your audits and
0: with your careers. Excellent. Thank you, Scott. And um, I think that attribute is is a strength when you're an auditor like that, is asking too many questions. That's a compliment. So um, thanks again for sharing your time with us. And everyone, thanks for joining us on this episode of Compliance Conversations. Until next time. Bye-bye.